Welcome back to Lost in Rosha, the ultimate journey through the Stormlight Archive. I'm Christian. And I'm Jimmy. Today we are diving in to chapters six and seven of the Stormlight Archive, Way of Kings, book number one. And as always, this is full spoilers for all of Stormlight Archive ahead. So if you are a first time reader, we'll see after you finish the series because we're diving into the, the nitty gritty of the details here in the reread. Uh, but as always, I, I need to know, Christian, how are you? I am good. Thank you, Jimmy. I've had the longest week of my life because you wouldn't guess it, but in between our two episodes, I was so sick, dude. Wait, really? I had the flu kick me down and hold me until basically last night. I've been like having fever dreams. I've been having cold sweats. I've been reading these chapters with bated breath, man. It's been, uh, <laughs> it's been intense. Holy so I I'm glad know. to be feeling better and that I can actually record today because I sounded rough. How was your week, dude? You had the uh, 4th of July over there. The yeah, state. yeah. You know, bombs bursting in air and all that good stuff. Um, first <laughs> off, I'm glad you're feeling better. I had no idea you were sick. It sounds like you were almost on the verge of some death rattles there. So I'm glad that you made it through. Oh, I should have just I should have just pushed myself a bit further and see if I can uh, get the ending out. Yeah. How yeah. bad do you want it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, how dedicated are you to this? Uh, to this podcast? Sorry. I need you to stare down. down the abyss. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm good. The problem uh, with the 4th of July is uh, two things. One is it was in the middle of the week. So I thought today was Tuesday. I go to jujitsu class. I didn't, we have no gi and then gi. You know, it's two different forms of jujitsu. I showed up in the wrong outfit. So I, oh. I, look like, I look like a doofus. Usually you'd feel stupid wearing the gi, which is essentially <laughs> a kimono, right? Yeah. Uh, but when everyone's wearing a kimono and you're not, you actually look like the fool. And I was like, wow, I feel like Shalon checking out everyone's fashion and feeling out of place. That's how I felt. Uh, I mean, today my question is, Jimmy, did you have your safe hand covered? That's my, that's how, the real thing. Do you really need to even ask everyone? People can't even arm bar me because it's covered yeah. up. <laughs> if there's ever a shining example of safe hand usage, it's, it's you, mate. You're always reminding the listeners and I hope people are paying attention at home. Yeah, I mean, really, guys, you know, keep your safe hand covered because I've had just about <laughs> enough of this indecency that I'm seeing out here in the streets. OK, uh, especially here in America, we really need to tighten it up and cover that. safe. We <laughs> were like, what is he talking about? <laughs> it's a very Stormlight specific podcast. And yeah. uh, I heard you read Tress, dude. In the, yes, uh, I did finish Tress in... of the Emerald Sea. And, yeah. you know, it was a book and I read it and I did enjoy uh, parts of the book. For me, you know, we, we kind of talked about this before, you know, some of Sanderson's non-Stormlight stuff, like it can be a big hit or miss for me. What I will say is, is that Tress continues this trend of me wanting to know more about the Cosmere because I am still mm. pretty, pretty newish to the Cosmere, you know, reading Mistborn, Warbreaker, Emperor's Soul, Stormlight Archive, but there's still a ton of stuff, you know, Era 2, I got to get into, White Sand, yada, 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 right? So the fact that Tress had a bunch of Cosmere connections was awesome and that is what carried me through that book and makes me happy that i did read it because i'm going to be looking for things when i jump back into mistborn when i jump into stormlight archive and this reread when i read elantris uh again so overall i'm glad i read it and i'm very excited for secret project number three which just came out which i hear has all kinds of implications on the cosmere and <laughs> you're reading it right now yeah i am so like i said last week i was reading the emperor's soul and then I got caught up in the hype. You know, you get the email, <laughs> you're a backer, your your download is ready. And it's just like, oh, a fresh book. I'm, I'm very rarely like in that moment where everyone's reading it. Um, mm -hmm. But 
maybe because I'm a close reader, I'm going to frame it that way, not because I'm slow, but I feel like everyone's finished it and now I'm, now I'm behind, but it's, it's really good. Um, it's very reminiscent of Your Name, a very famous anime movie, the highest grossing anime film of all time. I, I, it overtook Spirited Away whenever it came out. Um, Sanderson lists it as an inspiration, so it's cool to see the similarities and differences. It's like a Cosmere take on that movie, basically. Hmm. And um, uh, again, the implications are pretty <laughs> interesting. And the capital letters are showing up and... Lots of references to things which I shall not spoil for people because, you know, we've got to be careful here on Lost in Rosha. It is a Stormlight podcast and we have to um, be selective of how we talk about the Cosmere. But it's it's cool watching this giant, giant world be built up and um, it's a giant puzzle that we're all trying to put together. And when does this happen in the timeline? Is this before Stormlight, after Stormlight? Um, which era of Mistborn is this taking place in? So... It's fun to see this all kind of fall at our feet. And I feel like we're going to do a lot of road trips before book five. Yeah, we were kind of talking about it beforehand, uh, before we started recording. And we we're talking about how we, we really do need to start planning out some of these road trips. For those who don't remember what we're talking about, we kind of talked about reading the Cosmere tie-in novels that, you know, enhance the experience whenever you're going through Stormlight. And we got a lot more road trips than we realized, I think, <laughs> and ones that we probably need to make happen sooner uh, rather than later. So we're going to have to work that out. Um, we were thinking about maybe we need to reread Mistborn before Stormlight 5, uh, Era 1 even. So, Yeah, I think that's going to be a necessity. Yeah. And I was also dabbling with the idea of a quick road trip to Warbreaker to the planet of Nalthus before we go into Words of Radiance, which I didn't do in my original reading order because I was just too keen. But in hindsight, there are some very cool things that if you had read Warbreaker before Words of Radiance, it's like it's back when the Cosmere nods were a bit lighter and a bit more winky and a bit cheekier. Whereas now it's like, oh man, it's all coming together. But speaking of road trips, the weekly Lost in Rosha poll that I posted this week was about yes. the road trip. And man, 2,000 votes. From the eyebrows at 1.3K to the road trip to 2K, the success of the podcast is just shining through. No, this is so fun. I love I love seeing um, how fired up people get. And 60 comments as well. That's so cool. So my question was, Rocherian, road trip, travel companion, round one, because I can only add four options when you add pictures. So I figured we could have a few rounds to this thing. I thought let's start with the big dogs. Who are you taking with you? Kaladin, Shallan, Lyft, or Adolin? Who did you vote for, Jimmy? Who would you want with you on your Rosharian road trip? Well, you know, I see, I see some people t chat about these polls over in my, in my Discord, and people are like, who would pick Shallan? And I just didn't say anything because, dude, I picked Shallan. <laughs> me too. I you picked her as me? well. Yeah. Would what was your reasoning? Well, she has red hair. She can draw. I mean, you know, if I'm going to be spending hours and hours, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't mind it being with someone who could remember all the memories by sketching in their sketchbook and capture me while I got one hand on the wheel and I'm drinking a diet Mountain Dew. I mean, that just sounds, it just sounds like everything I would want. Also, oh, um, 
I would be the funniest person in the car because Shalon's not funny. So like that would be great, right? <laughs> Shots fired, Jimmy. Shots fired. Watch out. I mean, if you want coming. a silent ride, you could do Kaladin because he's just going to be moping in the passenger seat the entire time. Just Kaladin grunted. I should have gotten Uber. I knew it. <laughs> but look, someone asked, like, do I get the Spren? Do I get Sill if I get Kaladin? And then I Ooh. thought about it. I suppose all the Radiants come with their Spren. But if you oh. want to think of a pure value standpoint, let's talk about Shalom for a minute. You get three people and you get a spren. <laughs> like it is a packed trip. So you can take that a, a, a few ways, right? Do you want to be with, I, I suppose they're not all there at the same time, but. But you get variants. That's important. You know, yeah, if you get tired like, of one, you cash in the, the next. Yeah. Veil shows up, Radiant shows up, and then you've got Patton there humming in the background, humming some tunes. Um, but let's look at the results here, okay? Our boy Kaladin, a measly 19%. And in the comments, the, the big thing about Kaladin is he's just a little too, he's a little too depressed. And we love him and we want to see him get better. But on a road trip, that could take some of the fun out, you know? Like, I think your impression kind of sold it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then our clear winner, let's go to the winner, is our boy Adolin. Why do you think... He's a murderer. (laughs) Oh, but you know who he murdered. Can we get too mad about it? Listen, maybe I'm having a bad day. You know, I don't want to catch a sword through the stomach. That's not (laughs) cash money. I'm not I'm not about that life. Adolin, I don't know, dude. He's definitely got the bromance angle. He's gonna have so much luggage because he's gonna have 80 different (laughs) outfits, and then I'm gonna have to, you know, carry that out because he has, you know weak wrists so he can't lift anything <laughs> you know i don't i don't know uh, man but look think of how well dressed we're gonna be he's gonna tailor us an outfit we're gonna pull up to like these little truck stops and have some horny to wine Bro, together rocking, looking fresh i'm rocking athletic gear if i'm rocking that <laughs> road there is not a chance i'm wearing like a blazer or oh. some stormlight roshar fashion nonsense i'm sure he's got some like rosharian nikes for you Adolin just seems like someone I would want to bully, to be honest. Like I, <laughs> Jimmy's the bully, the booktube bully. I am, I am the booktube beefcake, in fact. <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I understand the love for Adolin. He's definitely got the bromance angle. And his chapters, watching him and Kaladin become bros in Words of Radiance was really enjoyable. That and is I, true. And I get why like you'd want him around. He, he kind of props you up. He's, he's your wingman. Um, and I get why he won for sure. But what's interesting here is, Ooh, right now as it stands, it was a tie last I checked, but right now as it stands, lift is slightly ahead. Lift is at That's 16% <laughs> and Shalan is at 15. How, how <sighs> would you rather have the girl that's going to make you stop at IHOP every 10 miles to get a stack of pancakes over someone who offers you three personalities and essentially a walking metronome with pattern. Like, I don't understand the logic behind someone picking Lyft. I don't get it. I feel like if you pick Lyft, I'd be watching like the Stormlight version of The Last of Us adaptation. Yeah, except Ellie <laughs> dies because I would kill her. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you get Windle. You can both bond. I don't care about of... <laughs> Look, I think Lyft would be a good time in like, and like I say with Lyft in Stormlight, great in smaller doses. 
Um, although I'm one of the only people who wasn't tired of Lyft by by the end of Edge Gen, so I quite enjoy Lyft, and I feel like there's a lot more depth to Lyft. But I'm not going to get too serious because this is just a dumb poll about a road trip. <laughs> well, I will say uh, I think Lyft had so much hate, and I even think it's a, a little overblown. Like I I, I always admit that uh, that Lyft is a really good character, and it yeah. does have <laughs> a certain a certain breath of like childishness that a lot of people who check out Sanderson's work really appreciate, I think. And it kind of yeah. keeps the vibe, you know, flowing and a little bit of variety. So like, I don't, I don't actually have a problem with Lyft, but like, yeah, she's my least favorite Cosmere character, like comfortably. However, wow. I also think Sanderson could make me love her by the end of it. So I'm, I'm open to having my mind change, yeah. but she's not, she's not hopping in the civic. Okay. She's not <laughs> coming with me on the road trip. There's no way. Well, the I thing will, is, right. People are, People assumed that this was like a car road trip thing, which I guess is synonymous with the term road trip in this day and age. Yes, I, I, I never, definitely thought it was definitely in a car. Yeah, like I never, in my mind, I never even considered would be in a vehicle. I thought we're just like you are so under the wheel yeah, you, yeah. You think of transportation strictly by the Lord. That I'm is just like, which child are we hiring? Like, <laughs> what are we doing? Because I figure, Calvin, we're just gonna fly um, in silence. <laughs> Of course, just brooding and uh, thinking about all Moping. our past mistakes and just ruminating. Uh, where, where, like Lyft, let's do the car angle with Lyft. I saw oh. someone in your Discord sort of say, like, with her whole edge dancer thing, she can, you know, lots of repairs, slick tires. We can be going at 150 miles an hour. There is some merit. I mean, I'm really trying here to change Jimmy's. I mind would bring Miracle Grow and spray it on Wendell. Like I would. <laughs> I don't want. It, I don't want either of them in the car. It's not happening. All right, all right. I tried, guys. I tried. But look, we. I'm glad we agree, Shalon. I think this podcast has really just allowed us to appreciate Shalon uh, yeah. and go go against all the way of King's hate that I she's think, got. I think you could rename the podcast. Um, in defense of Shalon. I think that yeah. that could be the title of the podcast. In defense of the safe end. Yes, that's right. Featuring Shalon and Yasna. <laughs> Family values in Roshar. My yeah. <laughs> and uh, speaking of that, man, we've had two chapters this week. We've had a Kaladin and a Shalon. And I think, again, even though the Kaladin chapter was a banger, I feel like the standout week after week so far has been the Shalon ones. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, you know, it makes sense, especially with the mysteries surrounding Shalon, but also like the things that her family were involved with uh, mm. as we go through the series. You know, we get closer and closer to those mysteries. So I just think inherently on a reread that those things probably stick out a little bit more, especially because we know most of what is coming. I got to be honest, folks, th there's so much I forgot that this feels like a half a reread and half a like that happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm excited to feel like that again i i feel like i've read the first part of way of kings like a lot really? um yeah but once we get past this part one and past the interludes i feel like it's going to be a bit more fresh oh yeah and especially as we get into the other books i haven't really like dabbled too much like words of radiance was like a religious experience for me <laughs> it was like it was it took me back to when i read um a storm of swords and yeah. it's just like when, when a book hits you so hard and you're like so into a world and you can't believe what is going on, the amount of climaxes that are happening. Although I, I would still say Storm of Swords has more climaxes somehow. Yeah. Um, I feel like that book's going to be so good to um, re-experience. But The Way of Kings, I feel like maybe the juiciest in terms of like 
foreshadowing and things that are laid down early on. Yeah, I think there were certain building blocks that Brandon knew he wanted in, and I call him Brandon because we're best friends, um, <laughs> that he wanted in the series, and they had to be placed here. Like they had to be placed yeah. all the way at the beginning because with you know with the way he operates, you know there's something in this first book that is going to tie into like the last paragraph or the last lines of book ten. Mm. Like it's going to happen. Oh, right, yeah, I would say. Um, and there's already stuff. You know, there's some stuff in this Shalon chapter that I'm like, wow there was definitely foreshadowing for some of the stuff that, that we end up learning later in the series about Shalon. So, uh, you know, we don't get those big payoff moments in words of radiance and oath, uh, Oathbringer without these building blocks. So, yeah, definitely not. And you're right. Like when it, whenever, whenever he sat down and was like putting the way of Kings together, like he had to know, like, this is going to be my big series. Mm-hmm. And if I want it to be this massive game changing fantasy, like the first book has to be, Oh, like the way you construct this book is so important. Yeah. Um, because people will be going back to this for decades. Yes. It is the one that will be read the most, most likely by people. So uh, no surprise that there's a lot of good uh, Easter eggs in here. I guess we'll jump into chapter six, which is titled bridge four, which is featuring sad boy Kaladin. And we have a very interesting death rattle that I'll read here. I'm cold mother. I'm cold, mother. Why can I still hear the rain? Will it stop? Collected on Bevish's 1172, 32 seconds pre-death. Subject was a light-eyed female child, approximately six years old. Cast this man in the adaptation. Honestly, the casting agents are lining up. My emails are just blowing up at this moment. I, I mean, I got the demo tape ready to roll. Let's go. <laughs> I love, dude, I love this. Every week, you just up it. Up these death rattles, just getting more invested. Um, well, they're getting and I'm because this is one of the like those. It's very thematically cool. It sets the mood. I felt, and even then, I want to add like some rain effects and like ambient <laughs> noise to that. That was great. Um, but it's so sort of vague that you could you could plot this into any theory. Like it's raining mm. on Rosha. What a shocker. Um, <laughs> Will it stop? I I feel like this is just like Everstorm vibes. I'm scared, uh, but I'm sure it'll be like some integral character. In the I think this is Lift. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it says, <laughs> I'm cold, mother. I'm cold, and then mother with a question mark, which hmm. I I think is significant. Yeah, uh, like where is she? Yeah, so I actually think this is a death rattle that is is significant for that. Like that that question hmm. has to um have some purpose. Uh, it's it's very it's very sneaky for him to to throw that in there. However, the question I have reading this is: Are you cold from uh, dying, or are you cold from the lack of the sun? Because we have seen time and time again talking about the yeah. sun going out, and mm-hmm. uh, the next death rattle that we'll cover when we get into the Shalon chapter also kind of references something about the sun again, I believe. So, I'm just wondering if this little girl was cold because the sun had went out. Yeah, and like, why can I still hear the rain? But like this assumes that they expected the rain to stop at hmm. some point because like the everstorm as we know it in the in the books and we've theorized that this is not the real everstorm but like it's just like perpetually going around Roshar, right so it, it like it does stop at some point there are breaks so if like as a person on the ground there's a break so something's up something weird's happening there's but, something uh, strange it's kind of vague 
Yeah, it really mm-hmm. is. And yeah. I just, you know, maybe mother has significance with a capital M. Uh, and, and maybe we already should know this and I'm just forgetting, but there's so many capital letter. <laughs> capital I mean, letter words. to burst your bubble, it's after a full stop. So that's probably why. Isn't uh, it? Each time. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Good old uh, grammar. At least, at least that's, at least that's consistent. But I, I've, I, I don't know about you, but in my copy, I've found some like um, typos and weird little things here and there. Really? I, I, I actually haven't so far. I've been reading pretty closely as well. Like, I, I don't think I saw any like random words or Cosmere words or. It wasn't. Yeah, no, it wasn't like anything super interesting. It was like, oh, they forgot to hit the space bar and these two words are together sort of thing um but like mostly now because it's easier to take notes this way i've been reading it on ebook um which takes away a bit of the magic of like the book smell and the tactile feeling but just like highlighting something and adding a note is so handy for this podcast oh definitely i'm uh i have a kind of a burner copy of a trade paperback and i'm just writing in it you know i have the hard covers and stuff in my anniversary edition back there but i uh i decided to get one that i felt okay scribbling in so i got one from the used bookstore and man there is nothing more (laughs) thrilling and slightly anxiety inducing than scribbling in a book i could never I I never have until this point, but I've been doing it with my used copy of Storm of Swords, and now I'm doing it with this. That's awesome. And I'm so jealous of your leather bounds, man. It's one of the things I wish I just bought whenever it came out. But man, it's it's something it's a dream of mine to own these books in leather bound. Maybe we'll uh, we'll we'll start a a drive from the fans to send you a leather bound book. That's what we'll do. No, I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't take. I couldn't take such charity. I will. I will climb my way up and earn it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. But uh, the chapter starts with your favorite guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who is that again? Flockalaka. Flockalaka. Yes, yes. It does start out with him, and then we meet another scumbag, uh, a, a notorious scumbag. I would say that that is, yes. to, in my mind, I think. The most hated character for me in this book, which is Good Gaz. Gazzy boy. Yeah. Gaz, Gaz is is not great. I'm not One-eyed Gaz. Not a fan. Not a fan of him. No, Gaz. And it's kind of fun. I, I, I almost forgot um that Gaz kind of gets re re picked up by Shalan in the next book. Mm-hmm. Did you remember that? And then like they run he runs into Kaladin. All, all I remember this. Uniform. Yeah. I remembered this as I was reading today. I was yeah. like, gas, gas, gas. And I was like, oh, yeah, he comes back. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's not very nice. And I thought it was really interesting. Uh, Kaladin has a point where he's kind of thinking about gas. And, you know, he, he does acknowledge that gas is kind of doing what he's supposed to be doing. And that's why mm-hmm. he was always kind of forgiving of like sergeants and whatnot. But he does not feel... He, or he doesn't give that excuse to Gaz. He's like, no, why don't I feel empathy for this guy? And he, he can kind of recognize that there's actually a, a difference between someone giving commands because they have to and then someone who maybe takes a little bit too much pride in it, who uh, is sending people out for their death. So, yeah, Ga- Gaz is one of the most hateable characters in Stormlight for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Cal Kaladin got a pretty good read on him pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. Like, this guy can't move up anymore, so we cough the we cop the abuse and the abuse they cop hard <laughs> in this chapter this chapter is relentless and i love that like you arrive at the shattered plains he gets thrown into bridge four and we get a bridge run all in like the one chapter 
and it was brutal. Yeah, and like I, I do think uh, one thing this chapter is really good about is making you feel the exhaustion. Like mm. I can, because I've been to that that point where you know you're pushing yourself and you're trying to accomplish something and you're exhausted, and then you find out that you have a whole three fourths of practice left. Like I remember running sprints for conditioning and basketball, and being like, "It's only been 15 minutes, and we're here for two hours. <laughs> like I'm going to die." And you're like, yeah. "I literally can't do this," and then you know you have to. Uh, and mm. so you, you push through and by the end you're like, I don't even remember doing half of it. I blacked out halfway through. So I, I think Sanderson did a really nice job of capturing, uh, that desperation, but also the exhaustion of it all. And it is a lot to take in because, you know, Kaladin has cuts on his feet and, you know, if, if any of you have ever moved, uh, you know, it is <laughs> miserable. You're like, I got to carry this dresser up three flights of stairs, like, you know, your shoulders start getting out, your hands start giving out. And I don't know, I could like feel Kaladin's um his wear and tear from this yeah like yeah like you said he's captured it so well Mm -hmm. and um just the idea of a bridge run is so unique hey like it was such a weird concept for me to wrap my head around at first yeah like what are they doing um it is like literally the ultimate moving the dresser up it's like helping your friends move extreme like elden ring edition (laughs) yeah all your friends are standing on the dresser yeah and people are trying to kill you (laughs) yes while while being shot with a paintball gun it's like the worst thing ever right (laughs) um yeah i i it's hard to explain to people who haven't read the series like i don't think i ever try to explain the bridge stuff because it like how do you explain to someone who hasn't read stormlight maybe is new to fantasy yeah that's the thing like when i say to someone I enjoy reading fantasy. They're like, oh, yeah, like Lord of the Rings, like Game of Thrones. And you start talking about Sanderson. Oh, what's it about? And then there's just like silence, <laughs> this deadly silence. Um, they move bridges and they and they're trying to get a gem heart. And there's like a there's like uh, they are in a they're in a library. Like it's kind of hard to get the yeah. essence of the way of kings across to someone. It really is. And a lot of it comes out later in the book. So even if you read it, you know, you read this chapter, you could still be kind of be like, what in the world is going on? Because like the gemstone stuff is kind of shown to us at this point. Yeah. But it's not explained to us at this point. Um, But one thing that the things that you can latch on to and you can talk about is that Kaladin continuously thinks about his past. And Mm. he clearly has a lot of trauma and guilt about things that have happened in the past. Uh, He kind of talks about uh whenever the light-eyed woman comes up and she wore her dark hair up in a complex weave sparkling and infused with am- amethyst and her dress was a deep crimson she looked much as laurel 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 mm-hmm. at the end she was probably of the fourth or fifth dawn wife and scribe of one of the camp officers so he, he's thinking of someone from the past and he's thinking about the end so someone has perished and this is something that Kaladin loses a lot of people, but he doesn't lose them in the sense that he has lost that weight in his mind of, of what they meant to him and maybe yeah. his role in, in their demise. So I think that is what makes Kaladin's chapters. Like if you, if you ever get overwhelmed with that bridge running stuff or whatever, or it doesn't click with you. I think this is where Sanderson earns a lot of faith with the readers. Yeah. He really locks you into his character and he drops a lot of names that will become in your subconscious and you kind of reach back for them when you're in Kaladin's flashbacks, you'll meet Laurel. Yes. We'll meet Laurel soon. He's 
it's kind of the will they or won't they love interest from his childhood who ends up marrying like the lord who takes over hearthstone yes so yeah and you're right they do live on his memory and they're forever referred to which is uh yeah great well and and, you know outside of just you know being emotional and probably having some sympathy for kaladin and it makes you wonder. It makes you wonder about the life that Kaladin has led to this point, which tells you that there's real history in this world. Uh, he has a, a paragraph here, and plus it's a safe hand reference, so I had to mention it. Uh, <laughs> it said, the longer left cuff hid her safe hand. Kaladin's mother had always just worn a glove, which seemed far more practical to him. So there's two things. One, uh, we can tell that the royalty or the higher dons are not uh, they're simply not practical. They are dressing in fashion and things that don't really make sense for utility, which is a separation that we see between classes in our real world as well. Uh, but, you know, it makes you wonder about Kaladin's mother. What kind of person was she? We, we can kind of extrapolate the fact that she's probably a bit of a more um, studious woman or, or maybe that's not the right word. Maybe it's, uh, you know, proper in Roshar uh, mm. that she kept her safe hand covered. And she went about it in a more utility driven way rather than a stylish way, uh, which we see here. So, you, you know, you can actually start to kind of figure out who Kaladin's mother was just by those two sentences. And I think that's yeah. really cool. And it does make you wonder about her. Yeah. And you almost start to get Kaladin's view of the light eyes and the, the, oh, yeah. the highborn people because our only experience of um, highborn ladies so far, uh, Yasna and this lady more or less and they're mm-hmm. both pretty standoffish and brutal um i suppose yeah. you could say shalan is a highborn too but she's kind of like the bridge um between the between the two the gloved versus like sewn safe hand thing is very telling about a person i think i would agree i think it, it kind of shows their approach to life and what mm. they're more worried about probably like the worries that someone has that's in the lower of the cast is going to be a lot different than someone who has the time to go and get a fashionable hand cover yeah 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 and and also with shalon by the way shalon has a lot of nasty biases too <laughs> yeah that's about true. guys so you know she's and even though she's the bridge she's not perfect um, no 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 not she'll come to change uh which you know i think it's all it's very important to kind of set this stuff up because the cast system is is a pretty big deal uh especially in kaladin's part of the story uh interesting that kaladin lies to the uh the, this lady and says that he's a murderer says, I'm a murderer of brightness, Kaladin said. Got drunk, made some mistakes, but I can use a spear as well as any man. Put me in your bright lord's army. Let me fight again. It was a strange lie to make, but the woman would never let Kaladin fight if she thought he was a deserter. In this case, better to be known as an accidental murderer. Mm. I thought this was it's interesting. Like, yeah, it's like a half lie. Mm-hmm. I guess like if you're a soldier, you are a murderer at that point, but... I mean, yeah, he's just trying to hedge his bets and and get in there. It's um, his only hope he has. Like in, in earlier in this chapter and earlier in other chapters, he's just thinking like, okay, the only thing that's worth that I can do now is really fight for a noble cause, mm-hmm. the vengeance pact. We'll, we'll avenge the king, and that'll be enough for me. Like it's it's kind of the only option he can see for himself. Yeah. Um, but that that gets <laughs> that gets smashed to pieces very quickly. Yes, it does. By our our boy. Tavlakov. Um, yeah. <laughs> Tavlakov says he has to tell the truth because, quote, my conscience would not allow it. <laughs> it's funny because he's, I mean, it's not funny. It's ridiculous and ironic because he's in the slave trade. Uh, yeah. But, you know, he would never want to lie to your brightness, uh, which just kind of shows, you know, maybe a little bit of a reflection because I could say that, you know, Kaladin did murder 
this nobleman, right? And yeah. in, in some ways, he doesn't see it as murder, probably because the person is of higher rank. And then we have uh, Tavlokov also not thinking that this is a bad thing because of the cast system. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like a mm-hmm. flip flop within a few paragraphs. Uh, the Cowden thing I might be reaching for a little bit, but uh, cer- certainly shows uh, the attitude towards the dark eyes, especially the slaves um, in the series. And I mean, sh- I mean, he's got a giant shash g- glyph on his forehead saying yeah. he's dangerous. Like no matter how much he tries to talk his way out of it. I mean, having a giant burn, I don't know if it's a tattoo or it's like a, it, no, it's like a brand on your, on your face. Yeah. It's, There's not, yeah, 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 it's, it's, it's bleeding branding. at one point, I think. Yeah, in, that's right. Yeah. 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 So it's like, what can you do about it? Um, mm. And I like what he thinks to himself when he says, I should never have ripped up the map. Kaladin thought bitterness mm. is repaid more often than kindness. One of his father's sayings and uh, say what you will about Kaladin's father. That's pretty pretty on point statement a pretty wise man you would say pretty educated maybe or smart yeah Mm. you you're right you start to learn about his parents he's got very good parents um yes like i know i know there are like his dad can be you know difficult at times but that you you can tell they cared and you can tell they were like working class people you know yes and I think you can also see that there's some tension between Kaladin and his father by the way that Kaladin thinks how his dad would have said something completely different and done something completely different. Hmm. So you can actually see that, you know, there's a little bit of him bucking back. He's clearly not exactly like his dad uh, or he would have remembered that from the get go. So little, little subtle building, uh, building of relationships that, that we haven't even got to see on page yet, which is really cool. Um, one of the, paragraphs i wanted to highlight it, it's it's really illustrating what we've already talked about with the exhaustion um it says kaladin mm. tried to respond but he was already gasping for breath he thought himself in better shape than this uh but he'd spent eight months being fed slop being beaten and waiting out high storms and leaking cellars muddy barns or cages he was hardly the same man anymore and i love this so much because there's so many times where someone's been taken captive and they're not being fed and they've been tortured. And then like, you know, they get busted out, they throw a sword in their hand and they start slaying guards or whatever it is, you know, (laughs) and that's not how the world works. You know, you got to maintain these things and your physical shape and it's a skill that you have to keep sharp, right? You don't ever want your uh, sword or your proverbial sword to get dull. And I think that this paragraph is awesome. And it shows that things are not going to be given for free in the series, which we see repeatedly with Kaladin, not just with his physical uh, limitations here, but with his mental uh, struggles as well as the series goes on. Yeah, there is um, what what I, you know, Sanderson can be criticized sometimes in other books where it feels like death is not permanent or not, you know, he's a bit loose with it. Um, I feel like the stakes are set very high here and we lose a lot of people on this bridge run and it's very violent and he doesn't hold back at all. And it's not like Kaladin has got main character syndrome where he's just surviving. There is, there is a reason he got through this. Um, I think it is the first, I mean, at at least in my mind, those arrows didn't hit him out of luck, right? There's some uh, subtle stormlight things going on there. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, 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 at least when I first read this for the first time, I 
I never thought like, oh, Kellen's safe because he's got the main character energy. I was really like, whoa, something like maybe not death, but maybe he could get a fatal injury or something. Yeah, and we're riding on the heels of seeing Sen die. Uh, yeah. After being introduced and getting a backstory and hear about his sister run away with the Baker's boy or whatever. I mean, like, you know, Sanderson, uh, Sanderson sets the stakes pretty high uh, at the yeah. get go and said this is a pretty serious situation that Kaladin finds himself in. So. Yeah, so this bridge run and the fact that he got and, and we also get sort of like the myth the, the beginnings of the myth behind bridge four like it's the worst one <laughs> it's the yeah. one that you don't want to be in and we get the whole mechanics of the bridge run how they've got rows and Callan <laughs> later on gets that false sense of hope like oh they've put me at the front now i can see this is so much better <laughs> as they're running towards the parshendi archers um but what i did highlight here what i was looking at was our first sort of look at mr sadius who will die not soon enough but mr sadius <laughs> on his beautiful shard plate at the center rode a man in majestic burnished red shard plate it was distinct from the other one kaladin had seen each suit was said to be an individual work of art but it had the same feel ornate interlocking topped by a beautiful helm with an open visor what do you think what do you think of shard plate well i think it's amazing and i think the most important sentence is actually the next one that is indented mm. as its own paragraph even though it's just uh two sentences which is interesting. Uh, the armor felt in italics alien somehow. It had been <laughs> crafted in another epoch, a time when gods had walked Roshar. Well, it might just be a little bit alien. Yeah, <laughs> yeah true. I, I can't believe I just like totally missed that line. It's a little bit I'm of foreshadowing. I, I would call that foreshadowing, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, I would. I would call that foreshadowing my friend and Big uh I, alien that's a word that's a word that we should it's keep out yeah yeah and i mean it is it shard play is just insane and um just the more we learn about it and the more sanderson fleshes out this world i feel like it's going to be extremely one day i feel like this is going to click almost like shard plate does into place and it, like mm. the timeline and the way everything works will make perfect sense i feel like we're on the cusp of getting it all mm -hmm. um but yeah bloody sadius i'm glad he's red and we can spot him from a distance so i can just that do red. Oh, i can't i can't stand him just the way <laughs> oh i just can't wait to read his death again just it was so good um <laughs> But I liked, um, I, again, sorry, a bit above this, this line where it says just uh, when um, Sil was kind of bothering Gaz or like going around his face. And Kelly got says, jealous. Yeah, he got jealous, mm -hmm. which is, it's cute. It's kind of showing this attachment, this reluctant attachment he's got um, from Sil. And they have a little, a few little banter moments, like she imitates Gaz earlier and then he, and then Kaladin laughs and he, you know, he gets in trouble. It's very cheeky and it's kind of, you see what's, you see what's building up his hope over time and it's this relationship yeah and for the reader it's a little bit of a break from seeing you know slaves tormented essentially and doing yeah kind of kind of breaks it up <laughs> it um to, to, to your point about shard plate by the way like shard plate and shard blades are like my favorite thing in the series maybe uh, as far as like the high fantasy elements i think that that is my favorite stuff oh it's so like 
I mean, I've never really played Final Fantasy, but the Shard Blades are very Final Fantasy-esque. Am I right? Certainly. And a big anime sword as well. (laughs) Same vibes. I love it. Yeah, they're just massive. Um, And I feel like whenever it does get adapted, I know I always talk about it, that'll set it it apart because it will just be so extra. It better be. It better be, right? Because every fantasy now is kind of going with that gritty Game of Thrones realism. Whereas this is going to be like, out there stuff yeah for me i I like the -the over-the-top fantasy stuff whenever it's creative uh and especially Mm. whenever it's done maybe even in a way that pays uh owed to like past things like nightblood would be a really good example of this Mm. um nightblood is definitely reminiscent of of some older fantasy swords and i'm thinking like stormbringer from elric so i i I like that i like when someone takes something maybe that was even part of the lineage of the genre and then kind of reinvent it and i like when people go for it and shard blade and shard uh plate are two things that sanderson really went for early and i i think they were hits yeah, and it's so cool whenever we get to the Dalinar chapters of like, oh yeah, seeing what it's like inside of it, and you yeah, can just dude. jump so high and you can see through it. It's, it's, do you do it's first insane. person if you do the adaptation? Oh, that's how I picture it. <laughs> it kind of feels like you're in Master Chief's armor or something. Yeah, dude. With, definitely. With I definitely, I definitely think of Master Chief a little bit, dude. Yeah, that's when I first read it. I'm like, this is Halo, and they've got energy swords. <laughs> like that's what I thought. Like, hundred oh percent. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Oh um, my God. And I know Sando's a, a Halo fan, as any cultured well, we, man would be. We pieced it together. Yeah. And <laughs> going into this bridge run, man, these descriptions are terrifying. Um, I want to read this paragraph here. The first wave killed Kaladin's leathery-faced friend, dropping him with three separate arrows. The man to Kaladin's left fell as well. Kaladin hadn't even seen his face. The man cried out as he dropped, not dead immediately, but the bridge crew trampled him. The bridge got noticeably heavier as men died. I was just like, whoa, this yeah, is bleak. Bodies are a dropping. They are a dropping. Do you reckon somebody said that under the bridge? Oh. Bodies are a dropping. <laughs> Sir, it's too high. And um, that we get that. This line just felt like so impactful to me where it says he screamed in horror, in shock, in pain, in sheer bewilderment. Like, whoa these are just heavy hitting lines yeah and you get like the sequence of the you know he was growing delirious feet running one two one two one two stop he stopped lift he raised his hands up drop he stepped back then lowered the bridge push he pushed the bridge die the last command was his own added each time and i thought what followed this was interesting i want to ask you if you feel like i'm being too tinfoily here uh, he fell back to the stone, a rock bud hastily withdrawing its vines as he touched them. And I was just thinking about the, you know, rock bud. There, there's, there's actually a, a decent amount of rock buds because just a few paragraphs later, it says rock buds were more common, growing like bubbles across the entire plateau, imitating rocks about the size of a man's head. Many of the buds were split, trailing out their vines like thick green tongues. A few were even in bloom. Is there anything up with these rock buds? um sadly no i don't think so i think it's just the nature of rosha i wish there was like (laughs) if we want to go with the tinfoil theory do we have like a sentient rock the rock bud is a targaryen and they (laughs) and they reach out and once you're blessed by them you get a dragon i just thought it was weird that that it said he touched them like and then and then in a few paragraphs you know it gets a full explanation i was just like oh 
I wonder if they're related to the Kremlings at all, but I, I, I think right. I think I might. Be I wrong. think it's just yeah. I think he just wants to show like the interaction of Roshar's I mean, nature. Time. Yeah, true. I mean, I don't know. Hey, I mean, <laughs> I really want to. I really want to humor your thoughts here, mate. But I'm just <laughs> but not feeling it, an idiot, Jimmy. Yeah, just <laughs> rock hards, mate. Get on with it. No, um, I, what I like, my favorite spren, because it's just so weird anticipation spren that's a mouthful isn't it like fear spren i get wind spren all these things but anticipation spren it just feels very specific oh yeah you know like not anxiety spren anticipation like what's the difference it's a weird one hey it doesn't have to be you know is it always negative is it always positive can they appear for both i'm curious yeah and i feel like these things I, I, I just feel like the Spren are described as they are now and will be recontextualized. Like most things in Stormlight, I can see him like, yeah, like that's what the humans call them. But really, they're this or something. Yeah, we got a lot of Spren in these two chapters. I got a yeah. lot. Yeah, yeah, which, which the again colors. highlights the lack of them in the first chapter. Still it not sure does. Still and I'm still wondering it. if the colors have anything to do with anything. I'm sure they do. I'm actually convinced you're right on that and it's just something we haven't thought about in well, forever we need to start writing it down and compiling yeah. a list i think oh yeah yes sprint, sprint archive <laughs> dude we see the parshendi uh full blown for the first time uh yes. Kaladin blinked focusing on the approaching chasm on the other side of the rift stood a rank of men with marbled crimson and black skin they were wearing a strange rusty orange armor that covered their forearms chest heads and legs it took his numbed mind a moment to understand the Parshendi. Such a cool like introduction to them. Hey, yeah. And uh, like you, uh, like Kaladin, sorry, the reader's like, oh, these are not the Parshmen that we keep seeing. Because even Mm -hmm. earlier, Kaladin's like, why are there Parshmen helping us? Like, aren't they meant to be on their side? (laughs) <laughs> it just it just strikes me how clueless everyone is about the parchment they've just totally accepted them as like yeah. furniture yeah um, they, he's like well i guess there's been civil wars before they're probably trying to help us like dude how can you be so clueless <laughs> like, they're not trying to help you they're slaves well i don't think where he's from they had parchment right no i don't think so hey yeah so yeah he's probably just he's completely ignorant I mean, Shalon seems like she has a lot more clue about them. Uh, yeah, true. She talks about how she, I think she talked to a parchment or something and her dad got mad or maybe it was when she drew a dark eyes or something like that. I yeah. can't remember. Uh, even saying that feels bad. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't like it. it yeah, it just feels dirty. Yeah. It does feel dirty. Uh, you know what doesn't make me feel dirty, though? What's that? Syl giving us her name. Oh, what a good what moment. A, what a great moment, eh? Finally, it, it, it kind of surprised me. Like, oh, yeah, we don't even know her name yet. That's yeah, and, and she didn't know she had a name. She's like, I <laughs> guess I do have a name. It's like when you find my $5 and someone's like, do you have change? And you're like, I guess I do have a $5. Yeah, that's a great analogy, yeah. Uh, Self-Rena? Self-Rena? Self-Rena. Yeah. Self-Rena. Well, yeah. I'll call her Sil from now on so no one has yeah. to cringe at my uh, pronunciations. But, yeah, we get, we get a little bit of a nickname. And it's pretty awesome because this is where Kaladin is waking up after essentially being unconscious. And yeah. She zaps him a bit to like wake him up, which is cool. Um, and she's also surprised that she has a nickname, which (laughs) I feel like 
it's not like it is cute and all this stuff, but I feel like this is like important to her backstory. Like she probably what these probably were already established and she's gaining That's memories. Great. Like, oh yeah, I do have a nickname. Who gave me yeah. that? Um, I'm sure we're gonna get a lot of Syl like in thousands of years ago, like what she was doing. Um I hope so. Yeah. But it is cool. Like it's it's kind of the moment where it locks in. This is Kaladin and Syl together mm-hmm. now. They've got each other's names. She woke him up after this horrific experience. They're tied together forever at this point. Um, some people ship it. I don't know. I don't want all that. I don't know. I'm out on that. <laughs> I'm out on that. He's just shut me down, viewers. We I need more platonic relationships. <laughs> I agree with you. They should be like they're family in their own way. That right? I think of them that way. And I don't want it. I don't want it to go. <laughs> Romantic. I don't want it. As <laughs> but I don't want it. <laughs> I don't want it. My queen. Uh, you know, yeah. then we get to the end of the chapter, and as soon as we hear Syl's name, uh, we also realize that Gaz is upset about something. This is where Kaladin realized that he was supposed to die. Mm. Uh, I was at the front. Kaladin was the only one on the front row who had lived, and I think that this gives a little bit of reinforcement to your idea that there was some stormlight, uh, you know, stuff going on here. Yeah, like he's using like the little lashings, or maybe Sills helping with a bit of wind. Like there's obviously a little barrier around him. He, he like he eventually does this purposefully, where he wills the arrows to go to his shield or on mm-hmm. the top of the bridge and all this stuff. So I think it's just unconsciously happening. Yes, um, for sure. And it's when you should start getting that like ooh, question mark. Why did he survive? What's going on? Mm-hmm. And I love how the the chapter ends. I freaking yes. loved it. Yes. Um, Thinking uh, that it could never get any worse. Yeah. One final torment the world had reserved just for Kaladin, and it was called Bridge 4. Little does he know this is going to be the thing that saves him. You know? I mean, when you're thinking about, like, because it's a sports team movie. Yeah. Fantasy Bridge form, I guess. And this is the coach being demoted for his DUI <laughs> or something, and he gets <laughs> put on, like, the C team. And he's like, oh, and like, you know, people are showing up with their shoes tied wrong and they're tripping over the bass. The basketball's flat. They don't even have a hoop set up. And he's like, how am I going to do this? And then, uh, you know, the coach takes him to the finals. You know, that I mean, this is literally. This yeah. Story. Have you have you heard Sanderson say that? Like he's. I have heard yeah, that he said it was yeah. like an inspirational sports team story, which I think is great. I mean, what a way to take it and bend it and make it your own. Yeah, it truly is. Like, that's how I why I recommended this to my dad because I just feel like my dad is perpetually watching inspirational NBA documentaries <laughs> and I'm just like this is basically that with some flying stuff and some gems <laughs> um, but no I love that who doesn't love the underdog sports team story but like bloody yeah. edition yeah, yeah if you have a pulse I think that you can at least understand how people can get fired up about this so yeah people love an Rem- underdog remember the titans Remember Bridge Four. I think that's what we're, <laughs> we're looking at here. Now that's we get to the, the the better chapter, which is the Shalon chapter, chapter seven. Yeah. Anything reasonable, and we certainly have a death rattle here. They are aflame. They burn. They bring the darkness when they come, and so all you can see is that their skin is aflame. Burn, burn, burn. Collected on. 
Palashishev, 1172, 21 seconds pre-death. Subject was a baker's apprentice. They are aflame. They burn. They bring the darkness when they come. Are they bringing the darkness because they put out the sun? I think judging by it's a baker's apprentice, is he talking? Is this a big old baking analogy? Is he just talking about their new oven? And he's cooking up Stop. some hot pie specials. No, I'm joking. Um, oh my goodness, you might be on the something. There's a there's a theme of darkness. Hey, never ending rain, darkness. The sun is gone for well, sure. We're on. Let something. me let me just maybe this might blow your mind, or you might think I'm stupid. Um, mm. Burn, burn, burn. So all you can see is that their skin is aflame, and in this chapter. Uh, whenever we hear about the Almighty from the Ardent, uh, Capsol, oh, yes. yes. uh, he says, what would you do if the Almighty was here? And Shalon responds, I suspect with screams of pain, she said, letting her thoughts slip out too easily. As it is written that the Almighty's glory is such that any who look upon him would immediately be burned to ash. Ooh, <laughs> that's a cool connection. And ash makes me think a little bit of Mistborn. Ooh. Ooh. I, am I going too far? It, it, Ooh, I had you, I had you till the... Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm covering both your safe hands at this point, mate. You've gone too far. <laughs> no. I I like it. I like to think that these death rattles are plotted um, intentionally to mm-hmm. match the chapters to some degree because even, even looking at the date that it's collected on, Pala, Pala Shev. Mm-hmm. This um this herald like that date is named after a herald, and that herald is why the library is called the Palaneum. It's named oh, after yeah. her too. So like that feels kind of intentional. Um, the whole burning. There is another interpretation to this death rattle. Some people think it's about the past. Whenever the humans came to Roshar, and they were colonizing it, so surge binding and burning but i'm less inclined to believe that because just the the look of fire and everything doesn't seem super synonymous with humans on no, I like better. yeah i like yours better too i like now, this being a future thing not a past thing yeah can you remind me of the almighty that that's not Stormfather, right no that's honor whenever they whenever they talk about the almighty it's honor so there's three gods of roshar honor cultivation and odium but like all the all the people all the humans are just like honor is the almighty okay yeah i I had a little theology refresher in one specific religion which is varanism which is like with with the ardents and everything the main religion that we hear about anyway okay cool so look Maybe, maybe because we I had this whole theory that Kaladin was gonna be honor again or someone was gonna be honor again and uh bursting into flames coming in a final battle like that. But then it says they bring the darkness when they come. That's obviously very significant too. I was wondering, so my my approach to this and the Almighty basically bursting people into flames when they see him is that maybe the Almighty is a bad guy. Ooh. Well, it depends on who you're looking at, right? I, I it's yeah. <laughs> it could just be like a scary religion thing. Um, where they're building up the the Almighty as this guy. Like, don't look upon him; his greatness is too much. Yeah, yeah. 
that's probably what it is. I'm I'm probably going too far, but I feel that's like what this podcast is for. Yeah, we're all about the the tinfoil hat theories here. I love doing that. It's just again, it's one of those death rattles that I feel like you can connect these. You can connect this with the I'm cold mother. Why is it still raining? You can like there's a lot of end of the world ones that I could add up to a greater scene that's happening here. But so far, like I can't really place this very well. It's again, it's a little bit more specific, but it's also kind of vast that I can't really. Yeah. I mean, they bring the darkness definitely, I think could relate to the sun being put out, mm. um, you know, and, and being cold and, and everything else that we've seen the death rattle so far. Uh, but you know, I guess we'll have to wait and see. I, I think it would be more of a future thing personally. Yeah. I'm with you. This feels like end game stuff. Yeah. And it could be even like a third enemy that Ooh. we don't really know about yet. Ooh, yeah. I like it. I like could it. Could be saving it. You know, not everything will be able to be pieced together yet. I think we have yes. to accept that. I would yeah. hope so. Um, the Shalon chapter, pretty good. Uh, we end up going through uh, her doing a bunch of sketches. She ends up uh, meeting the Ardent, which I always forget the poor guy's name um, capsule thank you yeah. and we also see the fact that she's going to be leaving this letter for yasna and yasna at the end of the chapter does not seem super <laughs> pleased uh one of the things i saw in this opening paragraph or the second opening paragraph says as a child she found the patterns of their marbled skin beautiful and she's speaking about the parchman um mm. i thought the word pattern was very interesting there and that she was attracted to the pattern. <laughs> I love what you're picking up on. It's so great. Um, <laughs> but it's like you said, it's kind of, um, despite how sus um, her family is, there's still like that racism. Don't, don't like the posh. Yeah. Keep right. that away. Yeah. I wonder if there is more to that because her, her family it's very involved with the ghost bloods, her father in particular, like they have a greater knowledge of what's going on. Surely they would be clued that's, in. To that's what, what I was thinking. With the parchment. So mm -hmm. maybe he's just, I think like they've got this like Shalan thing, keep her in the, in the snow globe. Yes. Mentality. Right. Don't let wow. her catch on to anything. Yeah. I think they probably knew she was a radiant. Right. And they tried to keep her away, but that's open for interpretation, but well, I definitely, I thought it was interesting that they were so against her being around the parchment. Now it could be the racism thing, but it also mm. could be something a little bit more. Well, I think you're right. Like if she's killed her, like she's killed her mom with a shard blade. So her dad knows she had bonded a spren and everything at this point. And her <laughs> mom was like terrified about the, the radiance and all that, this stuff, because again, keep the counter up. Her mom was a herald. I'm sticking to it. Um, so they know, they know. And there's just like, keep her contained, make sure she doesn't learn anything. Keep, keep this under wraps. Now what's interesting, right? With Shalan in general. And I tried to keep this in mind with the chapter. She has also killed her old Spren, right? So yeah. why can she still do cool stuff now? That is a good question. Yeah, why why does she still have this capability to get memories and um, put them on the page and all of this? How has she retained all this radiant magical stuff when her spren's a dead eye now and she hasn't bonded pattern? 
And then why again do the cryptics keep sending people to bond with Shalan if they're so scared of dying and stuff? Surely she's important. Why is she important? Her mom's a herald or something. Come on, guys, follow me. <laughs> follow me down the road. And yeah, hole. no, you're right. You're onto something there. I mean, those are all questions that I don't have answers to. And I don't think yeah, you right. have answers to it yet. Yeah, because all the Spren are terrified because they're like, you're going to kill us. You're going to kill us. Like, all, all the Spren who are bonding people are terrified that the, the Radiants are going to kill them. Um, but it doesn't stop them from sending backups to Shalan for whatever reason. Yeah. So I think Shalan is so, so important. And potentially, if there's any chosen one trope, it may be her. Yeah, or maybe she'll be a weapon used by the wrong side. Who knows? Ooh. Maybe she will be a bigger player in the Cosmere whole. I definitely think she will be. You think just she'll by be the rhythm. 100%. I feel like yeah. that's what we're going in, in Stormlight 5. She's like, I'm going to get the ghost bloods. And yeah, I'm, and she's already she was already in Shadesmar for like that entire book. And that's where you got to be to go to a new place. Yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. Is there anything up with the advisor? Uh, one of her father's close confidants advisor named Luesh had been uh, trained to use the device and he could no longer make it function. Do we, do we know anything about this? And if this is already known knowledge and I should have known, I've just forgotten. That's fine too. No, it's okay. I looked him up. Good old Luesh, because I had the same thing of like, Luesh, who are you? Um, another member of the ghost bloods and, just just confirming again that her, her father was getting funded by the Ghost Bloods, working with them. And um, that's it. <laughs> that's it. So just, just to know that they were all involved with each other, it sets so much context here. And I had to remind myself that, you know, Capsule, also a member of the Ghost Bloods, is actually not here for Shalan, which for some reason I went in thinking that, but he's actually here mm. to get to Yasna which is interesting. Like he actually genuinely enjoys Shalon. It's not like a thing. See, I thought Capsule was there for Shalon. Uh, see, I just, uh, you know, it's the weird thing where he like leaves before Yasna's back. You know what I mean? Mm. So I kind of felt like maybe he was there a little bit for Shalon, but who could be, I mean, you're probably right. Well, I know that he like, potentially there is something there, but I know that like his mission is to kill Yes, no. like that's what he's trying to do the whole book he's trying to poison her the whole time and you know he ends up trying to give shalan the antidote to the poison down the track so he's not out to kill shalan maybe he knows who shalan is and because her family's with the ghost bloods he's kind maybe of they're like, trying yeah, to get shalan to go back home yeah or like join us blah 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 and yeah. i'm assuming like and i started to think to myself why is he trying to kill yes like why? Because we know Gavilar was kind of in cahoots with all these crazy organizations. Because she's an agent of Hoyd, maybe? Well, maybe. I don't think... Uh, maybe. The thing is that Yasna was maybe... They, maybe they tried to recruit Yasna, and she was just like, nope. And now that would make like, sense. we can't let her live. But they don't know who they're dealing with, man. They just yeah. do not know who they're Girl messing Mas with. Is not, not letting that go no. down. I, dude, I'm so... Oh, man, the Ghostblood stuff's great. Yeah, and it's and it's hard 
to talk about because you want to talk about all the Cosmere implications. But you can we can kind of talk about their general mission statement because it's all it's all there in Stormlight. There's no spoilers there. It's more about who their head is. That is is kind of like a thing we can't really delve into too much. But their whole thing is trying to get Stormlight as a thing off of Rosha and into the into the rest of the Cosmere. So why they'd want to kill Yasna? Maybe they just uh, like I'm not really satisfied with any answer yet. Yeah, and maybe we'll get more context here in Book Five. You know, wrapping yeah. up uh, an arc. I feel like that would be one of the questions I'd like answered. Yeah, maybe it's like Gavilar's gone. Let's clean house. Yasna was close. She knows a lot. Um, we can't trust mm-hmm. her. But yeah, if there's anyone you want on your team, it's Yasna. So maybe if they couldn't have her, they had to. That's yeah, a, simply too powerful. Maybe she was interacting with other worlds. I don't know. Maybe she's she's doing other things that we yeah. don't know about yet. I think that yeah. could be likely, right? Mm-hmm. So this chapter has a lot of little, a lot of little nods, a lot of little bits of foreshadowing, a great um, bit of dialogue with with Capsule here. The, the chemistry, the chemistry was palpable. What did you think of their their chats? Oh, I thought it was great. The only thing I hated it was the, uh, you know, it's like manure. Uh, manners are like manure. A little bit of it can make things grow, but too much of it starts to smell. I was like, that, that is garbage. I hated the that classic uh, hit or miss Sanderson humor. Well, I think it's meant to be cheesy on purpose so that mm. Shalon would like it because Shalon's kind of cringy. You know what I mean? Like, and she's like, you know, it's like, Did you make a like yeah, it's like if you met, no, you know, a, a person at, at a bookshop and you were flirting with them and like you risked a storm like Kremlin joke or a safe hand joke and like, <laughs> your glasses up. It's like, <laughs> you yeah. know, I, your safe hand's not covered. And they're like, <laughs> that's because yeah. I left it at home. And it's like, yeah. oh my God, you know, like the, the yeah, emotion spread, the love oh. spread would be everywhere. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that was that kind of moment. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, yeah. I'm with you, dude. Didn't really hit. And Shalon's like, oh, it's so risque. Your humor is just next level. But um, <laughs> I'm looking at certain like lines I've highlighted here that are a little bit, that are worth a mention or a bit sus and such. So the first one that I, like I mentioned before, the, the Palinaeum is named after that that herald that I said. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's cool because I reckon, like the word looks so familiar. So I looked it up. It's based on the ancient Greek word, Athenaeum, and these were buildings that worshipped the goddess Athena back in ancient Greece, and the poets and philosophers would meet there and discuss their work and stuff. So that's like a cool little nod to our own history, naming the library after that whilst mixing it with the herald history here. Yeah, very And one thing that I really wished, I felt like the camera like panned past this thing and I wanted to study it, were these doors. Did you notice these doors? Yeah, I thought there were because she said like she didn't have time to kind of study them now. And I circled, I was like, significant or not? Yeah, like intricate geometric pattern with circles and lines and glyphs or some kind of chart hard on half on each door. But there was no time to study the details, unfortunately. And she passed them by. I was like, is this some sort of star chart of the Cosmere? Or I just imagine imagining like the Cosmere map on the on the doors or something because this is such an ancient place. It feels like it would be something like that. That would be super cool. Yeah. I feel like it would be weird that people just walk by it, though, especially someone like Shalon. I mean, 
what do you think about the fact that the room, uh, the room that they're in is called veil? The veil, <laughs> like because of Shalon's veil. Yeah. I mean, I, I started to wonder why it was called the veil too. Yeah. And just like the way it's been there forever. How, like who, who built this? Where did it come from? Um, probably the early Pashendi culture and they've kind of, the humans have kind of renovated it because yeah. she says both were here when the city was formed. Some think these chambers might've been cut by the Dawn singers themselves. So like the original singers, the, the Pashendi. Um, but did you catch this line at the, at the bottom where they're talking about how much it costs to get in? And they're like, the king's many hospitals require much upkeep. <laughs> so oh. all of this is funding Taravangian's sick old death rattle hospital. I'm, I did not make that connection, dude. Yeah, it's so creepy. Carl Brown just has this creepy undertone where like there's cryptic brand, there's like a weird Ancient conspiracies yeah just i feel like everyone's undercover and messing with people it's the ancient and, aliens of roshar yeah also i i mean i'll save it for the chapter when we get to it but i believe we do see the herald that this place is named after in a in a chapter coming up i'm pretty what? sure we spot her in here <laughs> let's go yeah i'm excited i because I, i'm trying to spot every herald in the way of kings i think they are all here i'm pretty sure they're all here and i think yeah we'll see her in a couple chapters but it's an amazing place, 700,000 volumes, which is, it's like the Great Library of Alexandria, pretty much. For real. Yeah. It's like how much could be contained in 700,000 books? The weight of that much information dazzled her. She found herself hungering to look through those hidden shelves. She could spend months just reading their titles. Yeah. What a, it's a place where us and our listeners would probably love to be. All the Cosmere secrets, all the Stormlight secrets. Um, did well, you catch maybe that's this? why Vale is a Vale is the name of her alter ego. Like, because it even says that she, you know, she has to make sure she takes care of her family, but she could return, perhaps. Hmm. I wonder. Like, I'm sure there is a moment where we get like the her thought process of why she named that version of herself Vale. But for the life of me, I can't remember. Yeah, when we get there, we'll probably be like, oh, it's this simple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's this, it's this thing. Did you catch um, the mention of her shard blade? Oh, whenever it talks about how she, uh, the memories attacked her? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, only daughter, the last memory of Bright Lord Devar's beloved wife, it still felt odd to her as she had been the one to charge after, after the incident after. Memories attacked her. Nan Ballot bruised his coat torn, a long uh, silvery sword in her hand, sharp enough to cut stones as if they were water. Ooh. It's all there. It's all there, guys. He just Page lays it in front of him. Crazy. <gasps> and they talk about shard blades being able to do that like almost every chapter up till now. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I guess... You don't know that this is her one. You just know that there's one in, involved. But, yes. But now we know that's her with the shard blade. The whole time does, and she summons it at the way. She summons one, doesn't she? At the end of Way of Kings or something? Ooh, I, thought, I, I think know. that's in this book. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I could be wrong. I could, we, yeah. We, my we, memory's we, failing me. I get a lot of words of radiance mixed up with the end of Way of Kings at times. Yeah. So me too. I'm like, when does this all? happen 
yes, when does this when all does connect? I, I we know what happens. That, That's good. Yeah, yeah, we do know that. The <laughs> professionals running lost yeah. in Roshar here. Guys, I had the flu all week. I'm not on my A game, let me tell you. Yeah, and I'm a meathead, so. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you subscribe for, people. That's right. Meathead and flu-ridden. <laughs> Man. Um, but yeah, look, I loved this description of her drawing for the first time. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not a talented illustrator or artist, and neither is Sanderson. I read in the his little annotations that he admits that he, he he's this description might not hit with artists in that way because he kind of related it to his writing process and he, he only had secondhand knowledge from other artists. But I found it really immersive to read how she creates something. Mm-hmm. And that capital M in memory, mate. That, that's what that. struck me in this chapter. I was like, yeah. like, how much have I forgotten about that? Because memory with a capital M is not something I recall. No, me neither. And this was always something that I was like, huh, so she has a photographic memory. Like what's like, but the way, the way like it's written is so suggestive of something more coming up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, when she collected a memory of a person, she was snipping free a bud of their soul and she cultivated and grew it on the page. Charcoal for sinew, paper pulp for bone, ink for blood. Cultivation. Confirmed. Can, she's cultivating uh, she's and thank you for tuning into this week's <laughs> episode <laughs> so so kaladin is kaladin's honor because honor yeah. is dead i'll see what i can do yeah <laughs> shalana is cultivating people's souls oh i'm just saying dude yeah can you imagine if if kaladin um whenever he does take up the shard of honor because all our predictions are, are true he just says well honor's dead I'll see what I can do about it. And then uh, <laughs> he takes up the shot. Yeah, thanks, guys. Gives a wink to the audience. <laughs> I told you I could see what I could do. Did I not? <laughs> <laughs> but look, I looked I looked into the memory thing a little bit. And it turns out like each radiant has a bit of a quirk, has a bit of a like extra ability that's kind of okay. added on and unexplained. And Shalans okay. is the memory thing. And I remember reading later in the in the series, it turned out a lot of the light weavers were all artists. And I don't think this is a uniquely Shalan thing, but I think there is more to it than just because you know eventually she takes their disguises from these drawings. Uh-huh. She can like so I think she is taking a bit of them. And there's this where there's this part where she where the where the where the page there's in italics where it says fill me, and I was like, is she actually hearing that, or is that just like a like an like an oh. additional thing because it says she took out a third blank sheet. It seemed to beg her to fill it. A blank page was nothing but potential, pointless until it was used. Like a fully infused sphere, cloistered inside a pouch, prevented from making its light useful. Fill me. The creation spread gathered around the page. They were still as if curious, anticipatory. And I was like, oh, "What, dude?" Right, that is, that is, there's no way, there's absolutely no way, especially with the very long description we get of creation sprint in this chapter. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're on to something here. Something's up, and like it's, um, I'm just gonna say this is very reminiscent to something I'm seeing in another Cosmere book, um, Ooh. where things appear that enjoy watching you create something, so. 
it seems to be some sort of magic that Sanderson's establishing in the Cosmere um, that oh. reigns through a few series. They're obviously what? waiting for her to do something. They obviously enjoy this. What if Shalon has been like experimented on by the ghost bloods? Oh my God. See, I like this. And they've yeah. just been like, like, do we know why they're called the ghost bloods? Like that. Yeah, we do. What, what, what's <laughs> well, the at least I, at least I've extrapolated why. Um, Go ahead. Let me hear. It's it. got to do with. Ooh, it's hard to. Oh, it's hard to talk about. It's got to do with their leader. I'll just say that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's fine then. Okay. Like so, I, I was just like thinking ghost vibes. Maybe okay. is what I can that say. Is, that, that makes I'm a lot of assuming, sense. Yeah. Um. So. Maybe. Maybe Shalon's a guinea pig. She could be, because like, I still feel like even with her backstory, so much of her past is shrouded in mystery. And the fact that it, let's say, let's run with the, the, the thought that she is a Herald's daughter. I feel like that's going to come with a whole bunch of side effects and weird magic stuff, right? It's certainly, certainly. Right, and um, yeah, there's something going on. I like that idea. Like the ghost bloods have played a bit more into her that than we realize. But the whole filmy thing feels real. Like she's actually hearing that or tuning into something there. You know, this, uh, I really do think that this is significant and it gives me that little bit of a buzz. You know, it gives it gets a little tickle in, it tickle in the soul that, that we're, we're onto something and it makes me feel like reading more of the Cosmere as a whole yeah so this somewhere, is awesome yeah patton's patton's humming somewhere in the corner i'm sure he's loving this too and oh, the, sure. i feel like the the last super notable part of this is you know beyond her conversation with capsule which is really interesting and he's fun to theorize about but her whole letter to yasna here i feel like was super well written and a great argument to be fair yeah, I think Sanderson might have taken a, a rhetoric class at one point uh, in college. It, it, it is a very good letter. And unfortunately, when I read it, do, coming from Yasna's perspective, hmm. I, do you think Yasna would be – no, just pretend you don't know what happens. Like, Do you yeah, feel right. like Yasna would be moved by something like this? I feel like it highlight it would highlight to her some of her own like problems of like, yeah – you need to teach them something. You know, they can't be this old ardent that knows everything. And it shows that she would be keen to learn. I don't think it's as effective as Shalan, like as it's coming across mm-hmm. for sure. I think there's some merit into it, but I don't think it's a total slam dunk. But as I'm in Shalan's head and writing it, I'm like, yeah, true. Yeah. Keep writing. That's a good point. Yeah. Tell your truth, that. girl. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it kind of works in that sense. Did you, were you just like, yeah, I'm just going to, I, you know, ignoring what we know happens, I was like, yeah. man, Yasna's going to crumble this up and be like, what is this <laughs> sentimental garbage at? It was hard for me when I was young. You yeah, know, no, yeah. No one cares. Toughen up, kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there is, there's probably that side to it, too. But the stakes the, are too high. I feel like a lot of this is, um, I don't know if Yasna even really is up for taking an award at all. You know, I think she's just keeping up appearances because, like, she's got way too much going on to let anyone in. Completely. Yeah. So I enjoyed reading the letter nonetheless. Um, A little Easter egg, a little Easter egg later is when Shalane's talking about Capsule, where she she learned all about her drawing. 
she mentions Dandos the Oil Sworn, which is a little reference to Dandos Santos, who's an artist for the Cosmere. He nice. does the, he does a lot of the artwork, which I thought was a cool little nod. And uh, it's another one to Isaac Stewart somewhere. He does, he does a few little Easter egg drops of um, colleagues and people who work on the books. But she mentions Capsule has a faint Herdazian accent. And I was like, ooh, let's let's chase this up. And I don't know. Because the thing is, right, with Capsule, he's a member of the Ghostbloods. Ghostbloods are Cosmere aware. And then I thought, is Capsule from another planet? That's That was my first thought. Like, is he from another world in the Cosmere and he's visiting? So the Herdazian accent, if you don't remember, is like Lopin's accent. Like the whole oh, Gancho thing. Right. Yeah. Which in the books they kind of play off as a terrible Australian accent, um, <laughs> which I highly object to. Um, but I appreciate the effort. Not many people try to do Aussie accents in fantasy. Um, but look, I don't know if that. I think that just kind of it's trying to trying to lead you down a, a thought path with Capsule that is from somewhere else. But I don't think you're meant to really get how far away he could probably be. <laughs> you know, he could yeah. be from another planet. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but beyond that, um, it kind of it kind of just wraps up nicely there. And I just feel I felt uneasy with Capsule. Just know just knowing how sussy is. I felt the con game happening and I felt him manipulating Shalan and playing into her taste quite a bit. Oh, definitely. And, and she says, uh, you know, I jam, I'm fond of jam. And he's like, we'll do. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, Oh no, taken. But the thing is right. Yeah. The funniest, it's almost like a running gag later on. How many times he tries to poison Yasna and how many times Yasna soul casts the food on the fly to make sure it's, it's not poison. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny. Just he, he's just not ready. But you know what it reminded me of? Um, I don't know if you've watched this series, but there's a series on Netflix called You. Where I have not. A, My wife loves it, though. Right. So the main guy in that's like a crazy stalker dude. And he like learns everything about the person first and then slips into their life and totally manip- manipulates them because he's a psycho. And this is like the vibe I got from Capsule. Like I just imagined him with like a trench coat and a hat. Like, hey, Shalon. <laughs> Want some jam? You like jam? <laughs> you like jazz? <laughs> <laughs> so he just, yeah, it's just creepy. But beyond bits of foreshadowing, these were really enjoyable chapters. But in terms of the reread, not as dense as our previous episode. I don't know. This I, I think we've put out some really good Shalon stuff here. I, th- I think we've mm. pulled up some questions that haven't even been addressed yet, uh, to be honest with you. I, I think, uh, you know, in a little bit of the veil and pattern stuff, which maybe I'm reaching for, but it is there and it's in an early Shalon chapter. So I think all if that stuff. don't extrapolate, what's the point? We have That's to have, we got to throw them all and whatever sticks, sticks. Cause we just play it whenever it gets confirmed. We just play those clips. I mean, we just play those clips. <laughs> we have Shalon's shirt blade. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's massive. That's yeah. Huge. That is huge. That is huge. And I, it's, I, I, I kick myself for not realizing these things earlier because they feel so yeah. damn obvious now. And I just right. have massive respect for authors. Cause how do you, how do you toe that line of like, I need to put it there but I, I got to trust that they're not going to pick up, you know, but someone always will. I don't know. It's a tough line to, to toe. 
really yeah. is. And and I think that these little breadcrumbs are are what make some of these fantasy books my favorite fantasy books. Uh, you know, the Red Wedding and A Song of Ice and Fire. You're like, what? And then you go back and reread and you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like alarm bells everywhere melt down. And you're just, you're like the the meme in, in the, the dog in the fire being like, this is fine. Like you're just <laughs> following, you're just following along. Surprise Pikachu face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, what capsule it was trying to manipulate or what? <laughs> um, like creepiest dude ever. But look, he's charming. He's got some charisma here. I, I'll give it to him. Even I was a bit like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm following along. Yeah, but, and Shalon in a new place, you know, is, is probably looking yeah. for a friend. And, and like he's an ardent. Like these are people you just trust, That's you know, especially if you grew up religious, right? Bingo, yeah. Yeah, you just, you, you wouldn't even, but already he's making poop jokes. So <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he should have caught on. Yeah, yeah, come on, Shalon. Come on. <laughs> Anyway, man, I think that's uh, I think that's about it. Was there anything else you wanted to mention this episode? Uh, no, you know, I just the next uh, the next Shalon chapter is pretty long, actually. So we'll be reading that next time, which I'm really excited about. And uh, this is our first back to back perspectives chapters. Uh, seven and eight are actually back to back. Obviously, we're splitting them up because of the episodes. Mm. We'll have Shalon and Kaladin next time again. It's it's almost like he wrote the book perfect for the podcast, which I appreciate. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think he's like you know if they're gonna. I always thought he's writing this with an adaptation in mind. I never thought he was writing with our podcast in mind. And now that you mention it, I can see it. He's, he's like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. One could say he's lost in Roshar. What? You know what? I can't, I can't improve upon that. I'm just going to, I'm just going to wrap it up there. <laughs> um, as always, thank you for accompanying us on this episode of Lost in Roshar. Remember, the most important chapter a man can read is the next one. We'll see you next week to dive into chapters eight and nine. And if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, be sure to leave us a review on whichever platform you listen on. And also, if you have feedback, questions, or theories, or just want to give us a nice pat on the back, you can span read us at lostinroshar at gmail.com. We'll see you next time in Lost in Roshar. And remember, keep that safe hand covered.